0: Good morning again. Over the next handful of weeks, we're going to be uh, joining together in a, an emphasis in the subject of missions. If, if, if you look around this room, behind you mostly, you'll see some flags of nations. And if you've been a part of the Hyde Wesleyan Church for any length of time, you know uh, even as Pastor Bob wrapped up his prayer time this morning, we, we emphasize missions a lot. Everybody say the word missions. Good job. Proud of you. Missions is a subject that we uh, emphasize here in the life of the Hyde Wesleyan Church. and It's interesting that uh, we kind of use the term missions and mission interchangeably, uh, and uh, emphasize certain things about both in the life of the church. And uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, together, uh, as we emphasize missions, I, I want us to bring some clarity. And this morning specifically, I want to ask the question uh, why should I even care about missions? Well, why should I care about missions? Why should I care? Uh, As long as I've been alive, there's been a a running phrase joke used in uh, circles because of ministry context. I I grew up in a pastor's family, so my my dad's been a pastor my whole life. And uh, when we lived in upstate New York, uh, I grew up on a street with uh, a a lot of friends who lived uh, close proximity to me. And most of them went to Catholic churches, and they had an understanding of how the church functioned according to their Catholic background, and so most of my friends believed that my dad was some kind of a, a rogue priest, which is kind of fun. <clears throat> but they had this understanding, and a joke uh, came about as I was a kid, and it has existed for uh, hundreds of years, and it still exists today. I want to see if any of you are guilty of using this joke in context with uh, pastoral ministry. When we say something like, "Ah, oh, you can't be too busy. A pastor only works on right, you're all guilty. (laughs) We use a joke like that because it's funny. We understand that it's not the truth at all. I mean, pastors work on Wednesdays too, right? Uh, There's a lot... (laughs) of ministry that goes into the life of a pastor. There's a lot of tasks that are a part of a pastor's daily uh, routine or, or the ministry that a, a pastor is involved in. And in a church our size here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, we have a number of pastors on staff. We have support staff, both uh, most, of, most of them are volunteers. We have administrative staff who work in the office. It's an incredible uh, entity that exists here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, you understand? If you've ever been here on a weekday, maybe you've dropped something off. Maybe you've uh, forgotten your Bible and you've come to pick it up. I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of reasons that maybe we would come to the church on a a non-Sunday. And if you've been here during the week when we are buzzing, use that the right way. Uh Uh-oh, I'm going to edit that part out of the video. If you've ever been here when this beehive is truly a buzz... You understand that there is a lot of ministry that takes place right here. Uh, A lot of it takes place right here within the four walls of these church. I'm waiting for Verlie to go, amen, you know. We're a busy church. I want to read you an exhaustive list of all the things that have taken place. There's electric bills to be paid. There's maintenance to the building. There's... Decisions regarding carpet color and pink colors for the new children's rooms we've been working on. There's the weekly worship slide creation for our lyrics in worship. There's the bulletin that needs to be made each week. There's announcements that need to be worded correctly in the bulletin and worded correctly live and put in graphic form on a screen. There's Sunday school curriculum that needs to be duplicated. There's water faucets and urinals that need repairing. I don't even know if the women's room has bathrooms. There's property, oh, doesn't have heat, ouch. There's property and building plans and heat in the women's bathroom. There are Sunday sermons that need written on Fridays. There's Wednesday night Bible study that needs to be prepared for. There's Wednesday night children's ministry that volunteers need to be called and brought up for. There are Sunday evening youth groups that need to be prepared. Life groups and small groups and all of the work that goes involved in them. There's weddings that need to be planned. Funerals to prepare for. Membership requirement conversations and classes to develop. There are tithes and offerings that we have to ask you for and count. There is spot cleaning, our collective coffee spills in this room. the carpet. How many of you have ever spilled coffee in this room? Um, Only one person confessed, and he's on the back row. He knows no one else can see. (laughs) There are board meetings and staff meetings. There are baby dedications and baptisms. There's one-on-one discipleship, hospital and home visits. There's changing of light bulbs and replacing gas ovens. And this week, praying for an opportunity to use that scissor lift see that glorious machine back there? Do you know that they've given me the key to that? (laughs) We're going to raise some money after church today. Five dollars gets you lifted with me after service this morning. We're just going to take rides up and down. Five dollars a pop. Even with a non-exhausted list of the tasks of ministry in the life of a church like ours, the reality is that there is a lot going on. There's a lot that takes place as a part of what we call ministry in the local church, in the life of a local church. Ministry, in a word, is extremely busy. There's a lot to do, and the work, unfortunately, is never done. There's a lot going on, And it begins the same way it ends when we give up on any given day. The next day, it starts back again. So, with an ever-growing list of tasks, items, things that take our time, our energy, and our resources here in our local church level, many of which take place right here, again, inside the walls of this building. Some of us, me included, may be itching to ask a question like, why... Should I even care about doing anything outside the walls of this church? Why would or should we ever think beyond the four walls of this place and focus on something like missions? Why should I care about missions? And I think on the surface, these are legitimate questions for us to ask in our hearts Maybe we ask something along the lines of why would we agree to send money to Swaziland in Africa or Zambia in Africa or even to downtown Altoona or Pittsburgh where and when there are needs right here in my own neighborhood, my own family, my own small group. Why would we raise money to send to a missionary in a place that we've heard very little about? We couldn't even find it on a map necessarily, let alone pronounce correctly. These are legitimate questions. I think they are legitimate. Uh, For us to ask, why would we as a church emphasize for four weeks in a row... The subject of mission and missions giving and faith promise. Why would we give so much attention to a subject like this when there are other things in the life of a church, in the life of a believer, that we don't even give three weeks to? Again, let me agree with us, I hope, collectively, that these are legitimate questions to ask. And I believe we need constant reminders about why missions... The mission of the church is important. Personally, reminders come to me in various ways. Do you get reminded by your wife about some things? Thank you for laughing, whoever that was. You're in trouble. Do you get reminded by your kids about certain things? Do you get reminded by the news about certain things? Do you get reminded by your phone on certain things? We, We are people who need reminders that things are coming I was planning a a lunch appointment just this week and I put it in my calendar and made sure to check that little box that says, remind me three days in advance so I don't blow it and miss it. Do you guys do that? Uh, Sometimes consistent reminders are needed and sometimes I don't know the reminders I need until I've been given the reminder. Anybody else testify to that? You ever receive a, I I think I've used this term with us before. you ever received a Holy Spirit two by four across the face? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about that's good. The Holy Spirit oftentimes speaks in, in, in very big ways to my heart in some things that I need realigned in. I was going back through some notes this week, and it was a number of years ago that I had the privilege of hearing Reverend Gabriel and Jeanette Salguero. They are the co-lead pastors of the Lamb's Church of the Nazarene, a multicultural congregation in New York City, Gabriel is also the president of the National Latino Evangelical Coalition. It's interesting the way that they minister together and in the context that we were, it was a Wesleyan gathering of pastors, uh, they were co-teaching this same message on, on on Jonah and his run away from Nineveh and uh, as they were preaching, they, they're, they're Latina themselves and so one of them would be uh, preaching in, in Spanish and the other one would be interpreting and then they would get caught up in what was going on and, and one would begin preaching in English and the other one would start interpreting it in Spanish. It was, it was very exciting, very fun. But a couple of the things that they drew out uh, in in my life, a couple pull quotes that I jotted down as quickly as I could because they were so impacting of my life. I have forever captured, thanks to Google and the wonderful internet and the cloud-based storage, I have these notes that continue to come back to life as I reread them. I want to share with you a couple quotes that became two-by-fours from the Holy Spirit in my life. Here's a quote. Much of North America suffers from an allergy, an allergy to the other. How many of you guys get seasonal allergies? You're starting to sniff as soon as the sun comes out sometime in February and then goes back away? (laughs) We get seasonal allergies and we take some medicine and we get back to all of us understand what allergies are. This quote from them was one of those two by fours about the reality that we as the church in North America often suffer from this allergy to the other. We ask ourselves, am am I willing to do whatever God asks? And we answer it in, in terms that are ours. We say, sure, as long as God asks me to do something that I know I can do. That's something that I'm comfortable with, something that uh, comes naturally to me. Surely God's only going to uh, deal with me in terms that I agree to, right? Because we have this allergy to the other. Yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask. I'll do whatever you say as long as it fits within my parameters of time as long as it doesn't make my bank account deplete too much, as long as it doesn't cost me too much, as long as it doesn't get me too dirty, as long as I don't have to go there. This should not be. This shouldn't be the reality. This shouldn't be something that we acknowledge about ourselves. As the church of Jesus Christ, we should be quick when God calls us. We should be quick to take a Claritin and get to it, Right? We take allergy medicine so that we can function in the day when our allergies are at their worst. We need to admit, yep, we've got some biases, but if God is asking us to do something, let's admit God will give us the means. Another quote, (laughs) this one hurts. They asked, how dare we not love the people who God loves? You love everybody? This is the correct answer, it's not the true answer. Our Facebook feeds tell us otherwise. The jokes we tell when we think we're in good company tell us that we don't have a lot of love for the other. How dare we not love the people who God loves? Do you believe God loves sinners? Are you not sure? He does. Do you believe God loves every human being on this earth? But he loves us more. How dare we not love the people that God loves? This is another one of those ouches. It strikes me hard in my heart even again today, this week, as I've been rereading these quotes. Because they're categories of people that I literally have to fight against making every day. Putting people in categories where I think they remain. The category of unreachable, we might say. Or worse yet, a category of someone else will have to go there and talk to that group of people how dare I not love and reach out to and spend time with the people who God loves? If I believe God is love, I need to reflect that. Another ouch quote from the Salgueros, God is in the business of redeeming people and things that most people wouldn't want to touch. God's in the business of redeeming broken things. How many of us, when our DVD player breaks at home, throw it away? It's only 40 bucks, right? We justify it that way. Replaceable appliances, something breaks, what do we do? First we put it in the basement, right? And then in two years we go, why am I holding on to that? And what happens? Then we try to sell it, (laughs) and then we get rid of it. The broken things of this world we get rid of as consumers. Guess who doesn't get rid of broken things? God is in the business of redeeming people and things that most people don't want to touch. When we ask the legitimate questions about why we should spend time focused on missions, why should we use our precious time? our precious energy, our resources on things beyond the four walls of this church when the things within the walls of these church are enough to keep us busy. I think we can find the truth in God's Word. After the resurrection, Jesus' final interaction with his 11 disciples is something that we've come to know as the Great Commission. You've heard this passage of Scripture a thousand times maybe. And yet, we need to look at it again as we cover the topic of being on mission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, in the New Living Translation says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why? Should I care about mission? Why should I reach out to my community, to my country, to the world? Why would I trust God to provide through something we call faith promise giving? Why should I give my pocket change every Sunday after my normal offering? Verse 19. Go make disciples of all nations. It's plain as day in these final earthbound moments that Jesus spent with his disciples that his desire is that his followers would continue the work he began and that they would continue to make more fishers of men. Jesus' desire is that we would also continue being his hands and feet spreading the good news of salvation offered by Jesus Christ only far and wide. But this isn't it. Here in these short five verses of the Great Commission, we have much more than a Jesus said to answer, which none of us responded to very well as kids, right? We ask the question, why do I have to do that? And mom says, because some of you moms still say that. (laughs) Turn the heat on in the women's bathroom. Note with me a few interesting points from this passage. Verse 16. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples leave for Galilee. They left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. I like that. I mean, we could kind of pass over it pretty quickly. But there's something interesting in the directions of Jesus in this passage of scripture, something that uh, gives us uh, some specifics of what Jesus was asking them to do. Jesus delivers these final words of commissioning to his 11 disciples at exactly the place he told his hearers to be. So what? I, I believe this translates for you and me today is that Jesus will talk to us about how he wants us to redeem the world in Jesus' name. To be about the work of transformation that He has begun in and through us, He will give us some specifics. I, I love some of the specifics that we already know as a church. We have some specifics, some things, some things that we believe uh, God has uh, given to us for such a time as this. We have a really cool, unique relationship. I don't know any other church in, in America, in, in the world, that has the kind of relationship Hyde West Lane Church does with the country of Swaziland. How many of you have never heard of the country of Swaziland before you started coming to Hyde West Lane Church? right? There's a specific relationship that God has allowed us because of some relationship between our senior pastor and one of the missionaries in Swaziland that has given us a unique opportunity to be specifically invested as a local church in the life of Swaziland. And it's beautiful. Amen? And God will prick our hearts about some specific things going on in the in the situation in Swaziland, and we have an opportunity to respond, it's beautiful. We gotta keep going. Verse 17. When the disciples saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I, I just, can we just say, those stupid disciples? <laughs> I, I can say that because I'm the assistant pastor. Senior pastor would never say such a thing. He's still in here, isn't he? Is he still in here? Uh, the disciples, uh, what, set up our projector and some lyrics when <laughs> they see Jesus and sing, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name? No, I, what, what does their worship look like? I, I believe they're falling at his feet in, in, in worship and acknowledging him as the king of kings and lord of lords, <laughs> and yet Matthew records something that it would just be a lot easier if he just wouldn't have recorded this portion. As they're worshiping, some are doubting. Matthew maybe uh, experiences the shifty eyes of someone in the group that's bowing before Jesus and worshiping him for who he is, and yet they're like, is this really happening? And and I think it's a a, a glimpse into the reality of the human nature and of God's understanding of our human nature and reminding us that even in our doubts, we can surrender to a form of worship Of a God we don't fully understand. Amen? If you figured God out, we need to have a conversation. (laughs) I need to learn from you. Uh, There's a lot I don't understand. There's some question marks. There's some unknowns. God doesn't fit within the same box that I put him in when I was eight years old. God doesn't fit in the same box I put him in when I was 30 years old. And yet the reminder to me is that we should worship God through our doubts. I mean, how much more proof do these disciples need to not have doubts anymore, right? That's why we call them, that's why I have some problems with the disciples, They've seen him resurrected. They saw him killed, hung on a cross, and buried in a tomb, and now they have seen the empty tomb, they have spent time with the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they are worshiping him for who he is, and yet someone in the group, some ones in the group are going, I don't know. And yet they continue in worship. Worship through your doubts, believer. Believe God for the this-doesn't-add-up moment of your spiritual walk. (laughs) Maybe it translates into the subject of faith promise, which we're going to talk about a little bit more this morning. Maybe, like me, you have no idea. You've been a part of Faith Promise, and you as a family are working together with an idea. You're asking God to place upon your heart an amount that you will give to missions this year, and maybe, like me, you have no idea where that money is going to come from to give to missions through the Hyde Wesleyan Church. (laughs) I have no idea. Every year we give to Faith Promise. I have no idea how God's going to provide it, and every year we have this little dance party when God does provide it. <laughs> maybe you've been following us as a family and, and you see this little uh, business that the kids and I have started of selling these stupid little fidget spinners, these bearings and 3D printed plastic pieces. It would take a lot of fidget spinners for us to reach our faith promise goal, but maybe God's going to use something like that. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do it. I kind of doubt... <laughs> In those moments, even as I express my faith and write down a number, there's a little bit of hesitation. Maybe I I added too many zeros. Anybody ever worry about that? Like, What if God, what if I had a glitch? As God was laying on my heart what to give to missions, maybe I added one too many zeros. I have the privilege of uh, telling you this morning on this first Sunday of our mission emphasis that we as a staff, as a pastoral staff and support staff, we, we're believing God again uh, to help us as a local church to give $100,000 to missions in 2017-18. How many of you could write that check right now? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Well, actually, raise your hand if you could write that check right now. <laughs> Our church has <laughs> such a blessed history of trusting God for the impossible. And he's done some unique and miraculous things in and through this body of believers. And so again, we're stepping out in faith and believing God that together, the amount we give to missions, locally and abroad, will be (laughs) $100,000. Do you remember? Do you remember the, you don't know, the doubt that was going on inside my heart and my head and even behind my words as I stood before you a year ago and asked that we would raise $30,000 in eight weeks to renovate our kids' corner. It wasn't just doubt behind my words. There was some laughter amongst us as a staff. Like, I believed God gave us this goal and gave me specifically this amount in eight weeks. And again, I thought I added too many ones to that number not enough ones. I should have added a zero. Eighty weeks would have been much easier. and God did incredible things in our midst through that. We have testimonies that even in our doubts as we worshipped him and trusted him, he does the impossible. Verse 18. Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I, I... you guys know something's wrong with me. But I see Jesus reaching into his wallet and pulling out his license to give his credentials again to these disciples, some of whom are doubting he is who he says he is. And he reiterates as if Jesus needs to, as, is the res, as if the resurrected Lord needs to share his credentials, he does so. And in this simple sentence, we can sum up his authority by saying, Jesus said to them, I win. I win. I am the king of kings and lord of lords. I win. Today, verse 18 is for you and me together today again. Jesus is exclaiming to you in your brokenness, you and me in our losing streak. (laughs) He wins. We're on the winning team. If we are surrendered to Him through the cross of Jesus, if we have given over our own life and asked Him to take control, we're on the winning team. We don't end the season at 500. When our season ends, when the game is over, when the book is closed, when it's all finished, we already know we win. The verse of scripture that reminds us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world should be the mantra of a people of God surrendered to his will and to his way. Verse 19, therefore go, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go. Because of this, because all authority has been given to me, Go. Go and make disciples. Go and make are not sit and wait words. Go and make, induce action. We are required to make movement. Go and make, not sit and wait. But guess what's easy? I have a stool in my head right here. Sitting and waiting. Oh, isn't that much easier? And go and spend resources. Go and change things up, go and take action. Making disciples is not as easy as making pancakes. Amen? My, my parents came in on Friday night, and they took the kids to the Best Western for the, for the night. Jess and I, Jess was leaving early Saturday morning. I was leaving for Dubois, so they came to watch the kids for us yesterday. And <laughs> The kids were most excited when I got to talk to them last night when I got home about the conveyor belt that makes pancakes at the Best Western. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we could make disciples like we make pancakes? It costs money, it costs time, it costs resources, but it's our command. Go implies action, make implies action, disciples means disciple-makers. Disciple is not simply a a follower of Jesus. It's not someone who just falls into line in a group of other people who are repeating the same words together. A a disciple is a disciple-maker. A disciple of Christ is a a person who has surrendered in such a way that they say, I want nothing else to do in this life but first to make others who do me. It's the perfect multi-level marketing idea ever invented. And it's a legal one where a disciple maybe makes two disciples in his or her lifetime. And guess what those two disciples do? Make two disciples. You know how math works? Me neither. But you get the gist, it's pretty incredible. When you think about the multiplication in the kingdom of God, how quickly, how amazing it works. That's our job, to make disciples. Jesus continues and says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, make disciples of yourselves. Make disciples of you, Matthew, James, Peter, and John. He doesn't say to make more Hyde Wesleyans. He says, baptize these disciples. Identify them to the world around them, to their friends, to their family, to their community, that they are made and created in the image of their Father. In verse 20, Teach them to obey everything. Make disciples who train other disciples. Make them and train them to live out all that Jesus has commanded, all that he has led by example in teaching. And maybe the most powerful reminder we need again this morning, you don't do it alone. Jesus says, I'm with you always. He leaves shortly after these words. So what does he mean? We know it to mean the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls him a guide or a helper. <laughs> the shack calls him Aunt Jemima, I think. I don't know. There's a movie out. We know that the helper lives in us, guides us, directs us, speaks to us, challenges us in specific ways and in broad ways to be about the business of God. So why missions? Why should I care about missions? Why should we as a church care about something like faith and promise? We know it's because it's what we're to be all about as followers of Jesus, as disciple makers, as those seeking to make much of him here at home in Clearfield and across the whole world. We use funny words in church, don't we? How many of you have no idea when an announcement is made about the narthex, what we are talking about? When I got here three years ago, someone said, Someone made an announcement. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen out in the narthex. I was like, Hey, Google, what's a narthex? There's a running joke on staff that if somebody says narthex or, or we're writing something and we're working on the wording of it and they're like, hey, we need to say that that's going to be available out in the narthex. They all look at me like I'm going to shoot somebody. And we're trying to change some of the lingo that we come up with in church circles that are normal to those of us who are comfortable with lingo. One of those conversations happens around this time when we talk about faith promise. Many of us have been raised in a tradition where faith promise is a a normal understanding of our mission emphasis and how uh, we together as a church promise to God a portion uh, of how he's going to bless us. We give back through faith promise and uh, I found a, a, I I hope, I hope you enjoy it. I found a a commercial that gives uh, some perspective of what faith promise is and I hope the That this will explain to uh, all of us, again, the importance of uh, why we give through our faith promise as a church. Would you watch this with me? You get it? It's good to laugh. If you don't, if you don't know all the uh, Star Wars references, please see me after church. Faith promise is an important part in the life of our church. Over the next several weeks, we'll begin uh, continuing to put it before you, and there will be an insert in your bulletin in an upcoming week where you will have a chance as a family not to put your name uh, down on a piece of paper, uh, but simply an amount that you are believing God for. And collectively, we as a church uh, will give together in conjunction and community to uh, missions through the Hyde Wesleyan Church and believing God for great things. It would be silly to uh, simply wrap up our our, our message this morning with uh, that being our end. There's uh, something else going in the life of our church that we're excited about, and it has to do with our mission uh, to uh, do things God's way. How many of you have ever been to uh, one of Hyde Wesleyan Church's Easter egg hunts in the past? You've been a volunteer, you've brought kids. Uh, If you haven't been a part of uh, one of our Easter egg hunts, I want you just to watch this quick one-minute clip of uh, last year's Easter egg hunt. talk about a beehive. Our Easter egg hunts every year, we have a history of uh, doing this event, of holding this event on our property and being a part of serving our community in this way. It's something that we're kind of known for. Uh, people expect that uh, Hyde Wesleyan will be advertising on Facebook and at the post office uh, about our Easter egg hunt and that they will uh, schedule it on a part of their day as a part of their Easter celebration. So again, put it on your calendar. Saturday. April 15th is this year's Easter egg hunt. It's the Saturday, the day before Easter this year, and we're excited about what God's going to do in it. But as a part of every brainstorm before every event, as we look at a calendar, we've, as a staff, developed kind of this mantra of, okay, this is what we do. This is how it happens. We go through the list. Uh, the ladies in the office bring out these file folders full of, uh, this is exactly how we did it last year, and here's what we need to make sure happens on this date, and here's how many posters to get, and we need to get you guys to fill, fill these Easter eggs. Again, how many of you guys have taken these home and filled them with calories? Thank you. <laughs> We're going to ask you to do the same thing uh, this year. Uh, but we, uh, we approached the, the brainstorm a little bit differently this year in, in conjunction with a desire to uh, not simply do what we've always done. To be honest with you, the Easter egg hunt is kind of on, uh, on uh, uh, autopilot. It kind of happens. Uh, between uh, Angel and myself and a handful of volunteers and all of you filling eggs, we throw these out in a field and in 47 seconds, the field's cleaned up and we do a presentation here and people go home. And it's kind of something we could just do again this year, very simply, with little investment, make happen. But in our conversation, to not simply do things that are easy and main line, mainstream, just happen to happen. We, we decided to ask some questions, and we thought about an idea of um, collaborating with another entity in Clearfield. What if, what if someone else... What if we could help someone else have a, a win in our community? What if we could invest what we invest in our Easter egg hunt as a church? What if we could invest that in a, a furthering of the kingdom in a different way? And so that led to a conversation that I had with my friends, uh, uh, Kevin, Captain Kevin and Helen Johnson. They're the, the pastors, the co-pastors at the Salvation Army. And, and out of that conversation has come that we are doing a collaborative Easter egg hunt this year. We're going to work not just as Hyde Wesleyan Church. We're not even going to have our Easter egg hunt here on our property. (gasps) We're going to go there. We're going to go there to the Salvation Army. We're going to ask some of you to become missionaries. Some of you, we're going to ask to fill up calories into plastic Easter eggs. Others of you, we want you to join us in helping the Salvation Army hold this event on their property at this day, on April the 15th. Uh, they've got some unique changes that they're doing. They, they haven't done an Easter egg hunt before, uh, but they're excited about us helping. We're going to take our eggs up there. We're going to take our people up there. We're going to have smiles on our faces. And we're going to serve the socks off of whoever comes to this community Easter egg hunt. Amen? I hope you'll join us in something different, something kingdom-minded and specific. Be a part of that. We told you about it last week, but there's another event happening at Overflow. It's where Pastor Richard is the pastor down in Altoona. It's called Think Like a Missionary. It's happening on March the 18th, just a couple Saturdays from now. It costs $10. You need to find a way to Altoona. But Richard's promo to us in the church is that this event is open for anyone in your church who is a follower of Jesus and wants to be better equipped to reach those in their community who are growing up outside the context of church. If that does anything inside of you, if an Easter egg hunt with another entity in in town does anything inside of you, I I, I just want you to respond in a way over the next couple weeks of letting us know you want to be a part. We're going to put a checkbox in the connection card like we always do for these things. There's a checkbox for think like a missionary already, but the Easter egg hunt we just announced to you this morning. And if you want to join Hyde Wesleyan Church again on mission, be a part of what's going on in the life of your church. Be a part of trusting God to give to you as an individual or you as a family, an amount that he wants to go towards mission through Hyde Wesleyan Church. Would you bow your heads with me? And, and stand, would you stand? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you're alive, you're moving. You are our God of action. And we thank you for the call you've placed on our lives to be a part of joining you on mission. Joining you on mission of redeeming broken things. And Lord, we pray that you would instill in us uh, an overwhelming desire to to find the ways in which we can serve and bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray for our faith promise. We lay that before you and we are believing you for incredible things. I pray for every family who will have conversations over the next several weeks about what you would be having them to give through faith promise. Lord, I pray that they would respond, not in doubt, but in trusting you and worshiping you And I pray that we collectively as a church would continue to steward all that you allow us to give and receive through missions. Thank you for the specific things and for the broad things that we are uniquely able to do through our missions giving. I pray, Lord, also for our our Easter egg hunt we will be doing in conjunction with the Salvation Army. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would be upon even these days and weeks of planning that are continuing. I pray that you would uh, lead us to be servants and to enable uh, our friends in ministry, our kingdom partners, to see incredible things take place. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of something unique and different. Give us your heart in all of that, we pray. And I also pray, Lord, that for those those whose hearts are stirring to think more along these lines, of being a missionary in their own context. I just pray, Lord, that you would enable us to be a part of unique events like what's taking place at Overflow in a few weeks. Challenge us, help us not to live status quo or satisfied with where we are. May we always seek more of you in our lives and would you bless us for it, we pray. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus. Experience his blessings anew in your life. Have a great week. If you'd like to help us with these three sections of chairs, we would appreciate it. We'll place them up against this wall. Thank you.